Now we're rolling. Here we go. All right. We'll pick up where we left off here in the book of Judges. Uh, we're right here toward the end. And I think Samson, we just finished him up in chapter 18. Let's see if that's right. Uh, let's back up. Yeah, here we go. Chapter 16. Okay, so chapter 16 was the end of Samson. Okay, the walls fell down on him. Remember that? You know, remember he said, he asked the Lord, hey, you know, at least avenge me of one of my eyes. Remember that in verse, this is chapter, uh, chapter 16. He, Lord, return my strength to me, you know. Okay. And let me die of the Philistines, he prayed in verse 30. And of course, the temple crashed down. This is the Philistine temple, Dagon. It was not God's temple. It was, Bunch of idiots there. They're worshiping idols. But anyway, and he wiped them all out. Okay, good. Okay, so the last thing it says before chapter 17 is he led Israel for 20 years. Okay, all right, here we go. Chapter 17. Now, we're going to get to the end of Judges. It goes pretty quick, and it's, boy, I tell you, this is like, and I want to tell you this up front. This story coming up here uh, is really a hideous story. It's got, ah, ugh. And... Why is it in there? Because it's history. There's no, there's no spirit. I'm going to add things because we're at church here this morning. I'm going to say things for us to bless us but, but, uh, as we go through it. But there's no moral story in any of this. This was history. Watch this. And uh, what they're leading up to here, remember there's 12 tribes. I like to say the SEC. Well, okay, we'll pick an SEC team. We'll just, uh, I'm just saying one. Okay, we'll just say, well, we, Alabama beat Ole Miss yesterday. So we'll just say Ole Miss. We're fixing to be missing Ole Miss. Except it's called the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin did something so hideous, all of Israel set out to kill them all. And then they all sat around going, what have we done? <laughs> We've killed almost the whole tribe. They actually dwindled it down to 600 men. But anyway, they survived. Uh, I mean, they did something to help get these 600 men to get the tribe of Benjamin back up again. And right after this leads into the book of Ruth. And Ruth, if you know, it's a four-chapter book. It's real short. It's a little story. You could tell the story. You could summarize it yourself as a, as a story to tell somebody. Oh, let me tell you about Ruth. You know, She was running for cover, too. She was in the land of the Moabites. Okay. And then anyway, that precedes the next book, which is Samuel, which puts us right into, you're leading right into David. So here we go. This has been about, I think we discovered it was about 200 years since Moses died. This is where we are right about this time frame right here. Okay, now chapter 17 of Judges, watch this. In the hill country of Ephraim, remember that's one of the 12 tribes. Let's say it's like, uh, uh, you know, Florida, Florida uh, University in Gainesville, whatever. It's one of the 12. Okay, lived a man named Micah. Now, now what, remember, nobody's going to church. They, they have lost, they don't even know anything about, they barely know anything about the Lord. Watch this. And that's where their problems are. One day he said to his mother, oh, hey, by the way, mom, that thousand dollars you thought was stolen from you and you were cursing about it. Well, I stole it. <laughs> We've heard that before. Hey, this is a, this is a story to help us. No, it's not. It's history. Watch this. God bless you for confessing it, his mother replied. So he returned, uh, so he returned the money to her. Oh, you think, boy, that woman, she's rock solid. Oh, really? Look what she does. I'm going to give it to the Lord. She loves the Lord. Really? Let's see what she's doing. She declared, I'll have an idol carved out of it. A little bit of God, a little bit of witchcraft, a little bit of this. You know, good grief. That's what's going on here. I'll have an idol carved out for it and plated with silver. So his mother took a fifth of it to a silversmith. Now, she believed this with all her heart. She thought that's what you do. Lucky rabbit's foot, whatever, you know. That's what the whole nation was doing. And the idol was made from it and placed in Micah's shrine. What's in this thing? Micah had 
many idols in his collection. And also an ephod. Uh, it's, it's just like a little, it's, you know, we, we call it a necklace or whatever, something like that. Or sometimes it's a little sleeveless outfit or whatever. And some, t- and some teraphim and installed one of his sons as the priest. Now, is that what you're supposed to do? I thought the priest needed to be. Yeah. With God, the priest could only be sons of Aaron. So this is somebody else. Remember, here's what, look, well, it explains it. I'll just shut up. Look at this. For in those days, Israel had no king, so everyone did whatever he wanted to. Whatever seemed right in his own eyes. Okay, one day a young priest, now here's a real priest, from the town of Bethlehem in Judea arrived from the er, that area of Ephraim looking for a good place to live. Well, why wasn't he near Jerusalem? Because the Canaanites had run him out. Everybody's running for cover. He happened to stop at Micah's house as he was traveling through. Where are you from? Micah asked him. Well, I'm a priest from Bethlehem in Judea and Judah, and I'm looking for a place to live. Hey, we'll stay here. Micah said, you can be my priest. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll give you $100 a year plus a new suit and your board and room. The young man agreed to this and became as one of Micah's sons. Okay, Micah consecrated him as his personal priest. Well, you can do your own personal consecration, but there's a method for this, and it's for the Lord's place. But anyway, you see how it all got watered down. Okay. I know the Lord will really bless me now, Micah exclaimed, because I got a genuine priest working for me. End of that chapter. Look at that. See how fast that goes? That's why Bible reading should be a part of everybody's life. It's, it's not hard. It's so easy. All right. Chapter 18. As already, been st- as already been stated, there was no king in Israel at that time. And the tribe of Dan, remember there's 12. Now we got Dan involved, was trying to find a place to settle for they had not yet driven out the people living in the land assigned to them. So the men of Dan chose five army heroes from the cities of Zorah and Eshtah as scouts to go out and spy the land they were supposed to settle in. Arriving in the hill country of Ephraim, they stayed at Micah's home. Noticing the young Levite's accent, they took him aside and asked him, hey, what are you doing here? They, they knew this guy was a Levite. Okay. All right. Matter of fact, this is history because they're fixing to name something again. Watch this. Here it goes. Why'd you come here? Well, he told them about his contract with Micah and that he was his personal priest. Well, then they said, ask God whether or not our trip will be successful. Now, you got to understand, these guys are not solid gold, okay? But anyway, the best that priest knew, he said, yeah, all's well. The Lord's taking care of you. So the five men went out of the town of Lesh and noticed how secure everyone felt. The manner of life was Phoenician, and they were very wealthy. They lived quietly. Remember, these are spies checking out, can we attack these guys? Okay. Uh, they were unprepared for an attack, and there were no tribes in the, strong, that, in the area strong enough to try it. Yet they lived a great distance from their relatives in Sidon, I think that's what it says, and had little or no contact with the nearby villages. So the spies returned to their people in Zora and Eshtah. What about it? They were asked. What'd you find? Well, the men replied, hey, let's attack. We've seen the land and it's ours for the taking. A broad, fertile, wonderful place, a real paradise. Remember, this is for the tribe of Dan. Okay, the people aren't even prepared to defend themselves. Come on, let's go, for God's given it to us. So 600 armed troops from the tribe of Dan set out from Zorah and Eshtel. They camped first at the place west of Kirajirim in Judah, which is still called the camp of Dan because this incident. And they went on top of the hill country to Ephraim. Oh, excuse me. Then they went up into the hill country of Ephraim. As they passed by the home of Micah, oh boy, the five spies told the others, hey, there's a shrine in there with an ephah, some terrafah, and many plated idols. 
You know, David fought a battle one time and all his men, there was a bunch of idols strewn across the whole area where the battle took place. And David ordered all those idols burned, burn all those idols. Boy, I mean, people just thought, you just keep these things, man. Here we go. Anyway, so the five men went over to the house with all the armed men standing outside the gate. They talked to the young priest and asked him how he was getting along. Hey, guy, how you doing? You know, the five spies entered the shrine and took the idols, the ephraim and the teraphim. What are you doing, the young priest demanded when he saw them start to swipe this stuff, okay? What are you doing? Carrying them, be quiet, come with us, they said. Be a priest to all of us. Isn't it better for you to be priest of a whole tribe of Israel instead of just a one man in a private home? Well, the young priest was then quite happy hmm, to go with him with his stupid idols. Good grief. He took along the Ephraim and the Teraphim and the idols. Uh, they started on their way again, placing... Now, this story is not going to be like, well, it's all going to fall apart. No, it's a historic record. They're actually going to conquer in spite of the stupid idols. Here we go. They started on their way again, placing their children, cattle, households, ghouls, and fr- go, uh, goods in front of the column. When they were quite a distance from Micah's home, uh-oh, Micah gets a little ticked off. And some of his neighbors came chasing at him, yelling, hey, stop, what are you doing chasing after us like this, the men of Dan said. Oh, brother. Now, remember, they're kinfolk. They're all Israelites. What do you mean? What do I want? Micah retorted. You've taken away, look at this, all my gods. Now, this is history because it shows, look how pathetic the people were living back then. Those are my gods. Of course, Jesus is going to show up here in a minute and straighten everybody out. No, he's not. This is what people are left to do in their lives. If you don't have Christ, you don't have anything. Look at this. I have nothing left. Be careful how you talk, mister, the men of Dan replied. Remember, this is a civil war. It could be. Somebody is apt to get angry and kill every one of you. Boy, it's a real spiritual book, isn't it? It's history, see? So the men of Dan kept going. When Micah saw there were too many of them for him to handle, he turned back home. Well, that's the end of Micah. Then with Micah's idols and the priest and the men of Dan arrived at the city of Lash. There weren't even any guards. So they went in, they slaughtered all the people, burned the city to the ground. Wow. There was no one to help the inhabitants. They were too far from Sidon. They had no local allies. There were no dealings with anyone. This happened in, in the valley next to Ber Rohab. The people of this tribe of Dan rebuilt the city and lived there. The city was named Dan after their ancestors. You can look on a map, the place called Dan. If this is true, then now we know what happened. Israel's son, uh, excuse me, the place was named Dan after their ancestor Israel's son, but it originally had been called Lesh. Then they set up, oh my goodness, yeah, well, that's just what they thought they were supposed to do. Who cares about old Moses anymore? They set up the idols and appointed a man named Jonathan. So, oh my gosh. Son of Gershom and grandson of Moses. Now how could you pull a stunt like that being a grandson of Moses? Who was your granddaddy? Oh, oh Moses. Would you like to come in and see the idols we worship today? <laughs> uh, grandson, you might want to come with me and let's read a little bit about what the Lord told your granddaddy. Man. Anyway. And his sons were their priests. This family continued as priests until the city was finally conquered by its enemies. Yep. All right. So Micah's idols were worshipped by the tribe of Dan as long as the tabernacle remained at Shiloh. So the, the real tabernacle, the one that Moses had built, was still at Shiloh. All right, here we go. Look at this. About this time, the king, no, at this time, the king of Israel, chapter 19, there was a man of the tribe of Levi living as far 
on the far side of the hill country of Ephraim, who, bought, who brought home a girl from Bethlehem in Judea, Judea to be his concubine. Okay, so you see some, see some Bethlehem we're familiar with. We know the tribe of Levi, those are the ones that worked in the temple, whatever. Okay. Anyway, now, so this girl, he got her to be his wife, whatever, concubine. But she became angry with him and ran away. This must be a story about husbands and wives. Uh huh, it's history. Something not too pleasant is going to happen to this girl. And it's not this guy's fault either. Let's read it. Like I say, what is the purpose of this story? Whoa. It's because a historic event happened right here. This whole place is just going down, down, down. But she became angry with him and ran away and returned to her father's home in Bethlehem and was there about four months. Now, remember, Jesus was born where? In Bethlehem. Now, there's no type and shadow here. I'm just telling you that look what all the history and stuff that had been going on. Right, here we go. Then her husband, taking along a servant and an extra donkey, went to see if he could try to win her back. You know, you're not just going to say, hey, woman, you follow me. <laughs> he went to pull something off and get her to come back. You know. Well, you can imagine. Look at this. So when he arrived at her home, she let him in and introduced him to her dad, her father, who was delighted to meet him. Her father urged him to stay a while. So they stayed three days and they all had a very pleasant time. On the fourth day, they were up early, ready to leave. But the girl's dad and father, he insisted, hey, just have breakfast first. Then he pleaded with him to stay one more day as they were having such a good time. I mean, they were. It says they had a good time. They were having a good time. Makes sense to me. They probably were having a great time. It's fixing to be a horrible time, but look at this. At the first, now, now again, this we're leading toward almost the destruction of the whole tribe of Benjamin. That's how, why this story, why we even have this little piece of it. Because that woman's going to have something to do with it. Something bad's going to happen to her. At first, the man refused, but his father-in-law kept urging him until finally he gave in. The next morning, they were up early again. The, <laughs> boy, the father's dad just didn't want his daughter to go, you know. Hey, stay just today and leave sometime this evening. Uh, so they had another day of feasting. That afternoon, as he and his wife and servant were preparing to leave, his father said, look, it's getting late. <laughs> this dad ain't ever going to let go, is he? Uh, but he had to here. It's getting late. Just stay tonight. And we'll have a pleasant evening tomorrow to get evening together. And tomorrow you can get up early and be on your way. Ah, by this time, the man was adamant. So they left, getting as far as Jerusalem. Wonder where Jerusalem is. See, now you know. Bethlehem, the distance to Jerusalem is real close. His servant said, hey, it's getting late to travel. Let's stay here tonight. You know, Laura was talking about, you know, you know it'd be kind of dangerous, be on a train or whatever. Well, that's what's going on here, okay? No, his master said, we can't stay in this heathen city where there are no Israelites. We'll go on to Gibeah and possibly Ramah. So they went on. The sun was just setting as they came to Gibeah, a village of the tribe of Benjamin. Okay. So they went there for the night, but as no one invited them in, they camped in the village square. Just then, an old man came by on his way home from his work in the fields. He was originally from the hill country, country of Ephraim, which we, the last stories have been around Ephraim, so you must could see it in the distance or whatever. But he was now living in Gibeah, even though it was the territory of Benjamin. When he saw the travelers in the square, he asked them where they were from and where you're going. We're on our way home from, from Bethlehem in Judea, the man replied. I live at the far edge of Ephraim Hill Country near Shiloh. Okay, but no one has taken us in for the night, even though we have fodder for our donkeys and plenty of food and wine for ourselves. Hey, don't worry, the old man said. Be my guest, for you must stay in the square here. It's too dangerous. What's up with that? So he took them home. Now, I know you th may be thinking, being with this guy is okay. He's a good guy. 
He fed their donkeys while they rested. Afterward, they had supper together, just as they were beginning to warm up, to warm, uh, beginning to warm in the to the occasion. A gang of sex perverts. <gasps> oh God, get the kids out of here! No, the kids need to hear this. This is a Bible story. It's not the story's not even about sex perverts. It's historic. This is not a vote whether or not these guys have. Oh, they got they got whatever they got chemical imbalances. No, they're not either. Just as they were beginning to warm to the occasion, a gang of sex expert, oh, experts, perverts, <laughs> gathered uh, around the house and began beating at the door, yelling at the old man to bring out the man who was with him so that they could rape him. What? I thought they wanted the women folk. No, these were guys, so you get it. They're gay, whatever, homosexuals. <sighs> yeah, buddy. The old men stepped outside to talk to him. This sounds like the same story in Genesis when Lot was talking to the men of Saddam, whatever. Look at this. He says, no, my brothers, don't do such a dastardly act. Well, now, who says it's dastardly? You know why? We'll see. But you can imagine today. I don't care what goes on in people's bedrooms, whatever. Look, it gets out of hand. You see that? Look at it. And he begged them. Now look what he said. Look, he acts like Lot. I don't think Lot was too. I mean, I can imagine as a dad. I can't imagine me doing this. This is what they, remember it's history. They didn't just get out of church, okay? He said, hey, don't do this. He's my guest. Look at this. Here, take my virgin daughter. Notice he didn't say, hey, take this man's wife. He said, take my virgin daughter. God, what's so holy about these men? God, go out there with some sharp knives and we'll... Cut off some stuff. God. Man. Anyway, for he's my guest. Here, take my virgin daughter and this man's wife. Oh, these are holy people. No, they're not. They're, everybody's doing the best they can. Now watch what happens. This is going to be a terrible incident here. Okay. Uh, so anyway, uh, I'll bring them out and you can do whatever you like to them. <laughs> God. But don't do such a thing to this man. What about the... Again... Understand the place they're living in. Understand their stupid mentality. Anyway, but they wouldn't listen. The girl's husband pushed her out. Oh, great. And abused her all night, taking turns raping her until morning. Finally, just at dawn, they let her go. She fell at the door of the house and lay there until it was light. Her husband opened the door. She's going to have her claws hung at the threshold here, and she's dead. I'll just tell you. Uh, the, when, the, when her husband opened the door, look how great he is. He found her there falling down in the floor, in the front of the door with her hands digging into the threshold. Well, come on, let's get going. But there was no answer. She was dead. Good grief. Notice this the end of this chapter. So look what he did. He threw her across his donkey's back, took her home. Then he, when he got there, he took a knife and he cut her body into 12 pieces. And sent one piece each to the tribe of Israel. Remember, they're scattered out about the, area, the territory of about 150 square miles or bigger, however that area is. It's pretty good size. Anyway, then the entire nation was roused to action against the men of Benjamin for this awful deed. There hasn't been such a horrible crime since Israel left Egypt, everyone said. Well, wait a minute. No such thing as leaving Egypt. <laughs> good grief. Yeah, it was too. We got to do something about this. All right, let's finish it out. Here we go. This is the end of Judges right here. Then the entire nation of Israel sent their leaders, 450,000 troops to assemble with one mind before the Lord at Mizpah. Okay? They came from as far away as Dan, Beersheba, everywhere between. 
and from across the Jordan in the land of Gilead. Word of the mobilization of the Israeli forces at Mizpah soon reached the land of Benjamin. The chiefs of Israel now called for the murdered woman's husband and asked him just what had happened. So he rehearses, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. Okay, let's catch this. We arrived uh, one evening at Gibeah, the village of Benjamin, he said. That night, the men of Gibeah surrounded the house planning to kill me, and they raped my wife until she was dead. So I cut her body in 12 pieces, sent the 12 pieces to the land of Israel. For these men have committed a terrible crime. Now then, sons of Israel, express your mind and give me your counsel. Counsel. And as one of them, and as one man, they replied, not one of us will return home until we have punished the village of Gibeah. A tenth of the army will be selected by lot as a supply line to, uh, uh, to bring us food. The rest of us will destroy Gibeah for this horrible deed. So in other words, 10% are going to stay back and the logistics stuff. Okay. So the whole nation united in this task. The messengers were sent to the tribe of Benjamin asking, did you know about this terrible thing that was done among you? Give us these evil men from the city of Gibeah so that we can execute them and purge Israel of her evil. Well, Benjamin said, hey, come and get it. The people of Benjamin wouldn't listen. Instead, 26,000 of them, Benjamites, okay, remember they're Israelites, this is going to be civil war. They arrived at Gibeah and joined the 700 local men in their defense against the rest of Israel. Among all these were 700 men who were left-handed sharpshooters. They could hit a target within a a hair's breadth, never missing. Wow. The army of Israel, not counting the men of Benjamin, numbered 400,000 men. Now remember, you got a little history. These guys are worshiping idols, aren't they? You know? They're not wholehearted for the Lord. Now, they're a little bent out of shape about this incident. But they're not real serious. Anyway, watch this. Before the battle of Israel went, uh, excuse me, before the, the battle, the Israeli army went to Bethel, first asked counsel of God. Now, remember, we, we already read in Ezekiel the other day. Ezekiel said, I will deal personally with, any, the Lord said this, I'll deal personally with anybody who worships idols and then turns to me and says, oh, I need your help. So watch what happens here, you know. Anyway, they went, they, they went to Bethel to ask counsel from God. Oh, good deal. Which tribe shall lead us against the people of Benjamin, they asked. The Lord said, Judah shall go first. So the entire army left early the next morning to Gibeah. Now remember, Moses said, when you go out, you will beat the tar out of everybody. That ain't what's going to happen here. Watch this. The entire army left the next, what army? Judah, Okay. The next morning to go to Gibeah to attack the men of Benjamin. Now remember the Apostle Paul? He's of the tribe of Benjamin. Okay? Anyway. Thousand years later, so 1500. But the men defending the village stormed out and killed 22,000 Israelis. Whoa! What happened? Then the Israeli army wept before the Lord until evening and asked him, Shall we fight further against our brother Benjamin? Well, the Lord still said, Yeah. Okay. Boy, it's sure costing them something. They're not going to win it here. So the men of Israel took courage and they went out again the next day to fight the same place. And that day they lost another 18,000. All experienced swordsmen. Man. Then the entire army went to Bethel and wept before the Lord, fasting until evening, offering burnt offerings and peace offerings. I tell you what, if you were there and you were losing some people, you'd have been like, whoa, 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 we need to roll things back here. We must not be serving the Lord like we're supposed to. Yeah. Anyway, the ark of God was in Bethel in those days. Phinehas, oh brother, what a real trooper. You're going to find out about him in the next two books. He had temple prostitutes. His, and his sons were horrible. 
And this guy was probably as big as this building. He Finney, whatever. Anyway, whatever. <clears throat> Phineas, the son of Eliezer, grandson of Aaron, was a priest. See, notice how close we are. Grandson of Aaron. We already heard grandson of Moses. Time hadn't been that far, has it? The men of Israel asked the Lord, Shall we go out and fight against our brother Benjamin or stop? And the Lord said, Go for tomorrow. I'll see it to it that you defeat the men of Benjamin. Did you notice he didn't say that in the previous two? He just said, Yeah, Judah, take off. <laughs> yeah, you other guys, take off. So Israeli army set an ambush all around the village and went out again on the third day, set themselves in their usual battle formation. When the army of Benjamin came out of the town to attack, the Israeli forces retreated and Benjamin was drawn away from the town as they chased after Israel. As the, uh, and as they had done previously, Benjamin began to kill the men of Israel along the roadway running between Bethel and Gibeah so that about 30 of them died. Then the army of Benjamin shouted, We're defeating them again! But the army of Israel had agreed in advance to run away so that the army of Benjamin would chase them and be drawn away from the town. But when the main army of Israel reached Baal Tamar, it turned and attacked. And the 10,000 men in ambush west of Geba jumped up from where they were, advanced against the rear of the army of Benjamin, who didn't realize the impending disaster. So the Lord helped Israel defeat Benjamin, and the Israeli army killed 25,100 men of Benjamin that day, leaving a tiny remnant of their forces. Look at this summary of the battle. Wait a minute, we're supposed to lay down our sword and shield? That's because this is history. The army of Israel retreated from the men of Benjamin in order to give the ambush more time, more room for maneuvering. When the men of Benjamin had killed about 30 of the Israelis, they were confident of a massive slaughter just as the previous day. But the men in ambush rushed in the village, this is a recap, and slaughtered everyone and set it on fire. The great cloud of smoke pouring into the sky was used as a signal, I think it's what it says, yeah, for the Israeli army to turn around and attack the army of Benjamin, who now looked behind them and were terrified to discover their city was on fire. They were in serious trouble. So they ran toward the wilderness. The Israelis chased after them, and the men who had uh, set ambush came out and joined them, joined the slaughter from the rear. They encircled the army of Benjamin east of Gibeah and killed most of them there. 18,000 uh, Benjamin troops died that day. The rest of the army fled into the wilderness toward the Rock of Rimmon, but 5,000 were killed along the way and 2,000 more near Gibeon. So the tribe of Benjamin lost 25,000 brave warriors that day, leaving only 600 men who escaped the Rock of Ribbon, where they lived for four months. Then the Israeli army returned and slaughtered the entire pop. Man, they were hot. Look at that. They killed the whole men, women, children, cattle, burned every city and village in their town. There's actually one more chapter. Here we go. Here's the... The leaders of Israel had vowed at Mizpah never to let their daughters marry a man from the tribe of Benjamin. And now the Israelis' leaders, they met at Bethel and sat before God until evening, weeping bitterly. O Lord God of Israel, they cried out, why has this happened that now one of our tribes is missing? Well, wait a minute. Had a lot to do with a bunch of homosexuals, didn't it? Y'all got ticked off and what they did, you know what's going on. Anyway. The next morning, they were up early, and they built an altar, and they offered sacrifices, peace offerings on it, and they said among themselves. Now, remember, there's 600 men still left of Benjamin. Okay. They said among themselves, was there any tribe of Israel not represented when we held our council, council of the Lord in Mizpah? For at that time, it was agreed by Solomon that anyone who refused must, must die. Wow. There was deep sadness throughout all of Israel for the loss of their brother tribe, Benjamin. 
Gone, they kept saying. He's gone, he's gone. Okay. An entire tribe of Israel cut off and is gone. How are we going to get wise for a few who remain? Since we have sworn by the Lord, we're not going to give them any of our daughters. Then they thought again of their oath to kill anyone who refused to come to Mizpah and discovered that no one had attended from Jabesh Gilead. They just went over there to New Hope, wiped out New Hope. Because New Hope didn't show up. You know, that's a, look at that. So they sent 12,000 of their best soldiers to destroy the people of Jabesh Gilead. All the men married, women, children were slain, but the young virgins, marriable, were saved. There were 400 of them. They were brought to the camp at Shiloh. Then Israel made a peace delegation with the little remnant of the men of Benjamin at Ribbon Rock. The 400 girls, remember there's 600 guys left from Benjamin, so they gave him these 400. Story goes on, doesn't it? It's because it's history. The 400 girls were given to them as wives. They returned to their homes. But there was not enough of these girls for all of them. What a sad day it was in Israel in those days because the Lord had made a breach in the tribes of Israel. What shall we do for the wives of the others since all the other women of the tribe of Benjamin are dead? The leaders, asked, the leaders of Israel asked. There must be some way to get wives for them so that an entire tribe of Israel will not be lost forever. Well, we can't give them our daughters. We've sworn by the oath, you know, we're, we'd be under a curse if we do. Suddenly, someone thought of an annual uh, religious festival held in the field of Shiloh between Lebanon and Bethel along the east sides of the road that goes from Bethel to Shechem. Almost like that old brother where art thou seen. You know, the women run down there washing clothes or whatever. They told the men of Benjamin who still needed wives, go and hide in the vineyards. When the girls of Shiloh come out for their dances, rush out and catch them. And take them home with you to be their wives. And when their fathers and brothers come to us in protest, we'll tell them, please be understanding and let them be your daughters. For we didn't have enough, la da 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 we didn't have enough girls to go around. Okay. Oh, we didn't have enough wives for them when we destroyed Jabesh Gilead. And you couldn't have given, uh, and, and uh, yeah, and you couldn't have given your daughters to them without being guilty. So the men of Benjamin did as they were told. They kidnapped the girls who took part in the celebration. They carried them off to their own lands. Wow. They rebuilt their cities and lived them so the people of Israel returned to their homes. There was no king in Israel in those days. And every man, look at that, every man did what they thought was right in his own sight. Book of Ruth. See how it just keeps going and going and going? History's fixing to quit here. Oh, watch this. If you look, history, we're right here. We've covered, this was all solid history. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. We just finished Judges. Ruth, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, which is going to just be David. Okay, 1 and 2 Kings, it's going to be all 26 kings, if you just count the, the remember, Judah side of it. Okay, 1 and 2 Chronicles, it's a repeat of this right here. It's actually a little bit of repeat from what happened here. And then Ezra. Remember, they lost it all to Nebuchadnezzar. They come back. They rebuild the walls. Nehemiah is a mayor. He's back too. Then there's Esther, and that's it. The rest of these, I like to call them commentators. You know, These guys here are commentators of what happened during this time. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is here. You know? So your Bible's a whole lot... It's, it's shorter than you think. Isaiah... It, it, <laughs> When you know Isaiah is talking about like a terrible incident, well, that we just read, like when they had to, you know, they, they, well, we half trust the Lord, but we all, we, we still got our idols to fall back on. Boy, Isaiah is trying to tell them about the 18th or 19th king of Israel saying, look, you guys 
Give up your stupid idols. God will take care of you. Anyway, that's the historic line coming along there. Anyway, let me close with this. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Look at this right here. I want to drop here in Matthew chapter 6. Look at this. And you compare what Jesus was saying with, uh, with what they were doing. Notice verse 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth where they can erode away and be stolen. Store them up in heaven where you'll never, they'll never lose their value. And they're safe from thieves. If your prophets are here in, in heaven, your heart will be there too. If your eye is pure, then, it's, uh, then there will be sunshine in your soul. But if it's clouded with evil thoughts and desires, you are in deep spiritual darkness. And oh, how deep that is. Well, what, what's he mean by that? Well, keep going. Keep reading. You can't serve two masters, God and money. In other words, I got some idols, but I still got God too. Now, eventually you're going to hate one and love the other. Okay. For you'll hate one and love the other or else the other way around. So my counsel is this. Don't worry about anything. Now, this is almost insane as an American. You've got to worry. Food, drink, clothes. You already have life and a body. Think about that right now. In the next breath you take, I have a life and I have a body. Yeah, that's all you need to think. Jesus will take care of all that for you. Uh, and they're far more important than what you eat or wear. Look at the birds. Don't worry about what they eat. For they don't need, they don't need to sow or reap or store up food. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Let me switch to Luke just a second. Same story. Luke, look at this wording here. This is where you get the hairs of your head. Let me see if I can get to it. Uh, I think it's 13. Let's see. 13. Uh... 13. It's not 14. Hang on. It'll be 12. Let's back up. 12. We're in 12 here. There it is. Okay. Look at this. See, it's the same story. Luke wrote down what he remembered. Look at verse 22. Then turning to his disciples, Luke 12, 22. Don't worry about whether or not you have enough food to eat or clothes to wear. Life consists of far more than food and clothes. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or have barns to store away their food. Yet they get along all right, for God feeds them. Look at this. You are far more valued to him than any birds. Wow. And besides, what's the use of worrying? What good does it do? Will it add a single day to your life? Of course not. And if, you, uh, and if, you, and if worry can't even do such things... As that, what's the use of worrying about over the bigger things? He's not done here. Look at the lilies. They don't toil or spin. Yet Solomon, if you think about these flowers. We've got a few back there in the back. Oh, Solomon in all his glory, he wasn't even robed as well as they are. And boy, God really poured it on him. And if God provides clothes for the flowers that are here today, think about this. And they're gone tomorrow. They look ratty. Those are actually last week's flowers. Okay. You know, same story. And he decorated those. Don't you suppose he'll provide clothing for you? Look at this, you doubters. (laughs) And don't worry about food, what to eat or drink. Don't worry about all that God will provide. In other words, don't worry at all that God will provide it for you. Because he will, remember that? Mankind scratches for his daily bread, but your heavenly father knows that you, knows your needs. He will always give you all your need from, all your, all you need from day to day. It'll make you, uh, yeah, look at this, it says, oh, Oh, I'm jumping ahead. Give me a second. Yeah. Yeah. He will always give you all you need from day to day. If you will make his kingdom, kingdom of God, your primary concern. Don't be afraid, little flock. It's your father's great happiness to give you the kingdom. Wow. I'm telling you. 
Hang on, there's a little spot right here I want to see too. It's right there. Yeah, look at that. Look at this. Oh, uh, look at six. What's the price of five sparrows? A couple of pennies? Not much more than that. Yet God does not forget a single one of them. Now, he said that to say this. And he knows the number of hairs on your head. Never fear. You are far, you are far more valuable to him than a whole flock of sparrows. Wow. See, in America, oh, the sparrow or the dog, humans are trash, but dogs are like, oh, my God, the dogs, oh, poor puppy. Uh, we're just amoebas or something. That's baloney. Look what he, and it's not but one thing important. It's like, uh, I know I'm dragging on here, but look, look at this right here. Well, I was there, 13. Went the wrong way. Well, I really went the wrong way. Hang on, it's 11. Hit it backwards. What kind of you grab it, huh? Really? <laughs> look at this right. Look at this right here. This is where look, Martha sat on the floor listening to, uh, excuse me, Mary, her sister sat at the floor listening to Jesus. This is Luke 10, 42. She's just sitting there listening. What a waste of time, you know. A waste of time to listen to somebody on TV, Billy Graham, or whoever you like to listen to. It's a waste of time. What? Martha was the jittery type and was worrying over a big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Sir, she got so out of, she's, don't you know? It's unfair that my sister just sits here while I do all the work. Remember, the whole place is full of people. Tell her to come in here and help me. But the Lord said to her, Martha, dear friend, you are upset over all these details. There is really only one thing to be concerned about. Man, Mary's discovered it, and I won't take it away from her. What? Yeah. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord. We know it's got to be you first. You'll take care of us. We saw history over there in Judges, what was going on, how they got so far away from you, Lord. Lord, we know to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. All these things you added unto us. We're worrying about stuff's not going to fix it. It's you. You're our help. So, Father, if we're hurting today in our bodies, you'll take care of that. If we're hurting financially, you'll take care of that. If you're hurting in any other problem, whatever it may be, you'll fix that. We're going to be like the birds, praise God. You're going to take care of us. So, Father, that doesn't leave anything left but for us to keep details. Keep a diary and tell other people about the great things you've done in our life as we tell them about Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Thank <laughs> you.